Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, not not uh, doesn't typically happen where you're a part of a team that has you know a, a player on your team that's honored like that. I mean, the guy's got a statue up uh, on a huge college campus, so it was a special thing for us to go and um, see that happen. And um, you know, I thank Michael because he made that happen because it's not just like a 20 minute drive. And we were up and back, and um, it was good. Got to work when we got back, and uh, it was. Uh, it it was a neat experience to see that. It's Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Cardinals. They are having voluntary workouts out at their facility in Tempe uh, for three days. That's going on now. Uh, so he had some media availability yesterday, and that was Jonathan Gannon talking about something that we talked about earlier in the week, Bick, and that was uh, the criticism that Mike Florio specifically, and really that's the only criticism I saw on this, the Cardinals coaching staff front office going to Norman, Oklahoma last week mm-hmm. uh, before the draft, but spending time to support their quarterback, Kyler Murray, as he got his statue at the uh, University of Oklahoma as being a Heisman Trophy winner. It was their spring game. Uh, Gannon also asked about that criticism uh, of the decision to go to that statue unveiling. Yeah, you know, I'm not really worried about people's opinions. The people's opinions I'm worried about are people in here, so um, honestly, I didn't hear anything positive or negative about it. And also said, hey, it was important to all of us. Yeah, I mean, I think our players know already, that, you know, and we'll continue to build that trust with them, but we <laughs> everything we do, we have the players uh, you know, in mind and um, anything that we can do to help support them and help them and educate them and and uh, be in their corner, that's what we're going to do. Again, I, I said it, and, and we'll move on from this, but I, just, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to get that reaction out there. There's a very short list of things that I think the Arizona Cardinals have done correctly in the last year and a half. Yeah. That's one of them. And that is one of them. Um, yes, I I would agree with you. I, I think the criticism of the Cardinals for doing that is is beyond absurd, almost absurd to the point where it's not even worth talking about. It really it's it's really uh, the, you know the famous novel Don Quixote. You remember that the yeah. character was so delusional he was fighting windmills and pretending pretending he was armies and he was winning major battles and it mm-hmm. was just pure delusion. That's almost what this feels like. It, it's almost like a one man crusade against an incident that really doesn't even deserve that kind of scrutiny. Here's what else I find interesting about it. There were a lot of people bothered by the fact that Kyler Murray has a statue. Oh, great. That's uh that's that's that kid with that big head. That's sure that's going to really help. He's going to be even more entitled now. Okay, it, it, for those who need to hear this. Oklahoma University has a statue park dedicated to their Heisman Trophy winners. Yes, all Kyler of them. Murray got what was coming to him. Yeah, what he earned at Oklahoma. And then there was the other side of it, where the well, the Heisman winners got statues, but Kyler got an action figure. <laughs> you can't win. You can't win. Yeah, no, you can't. So, and but but it really underscores the fact that our quarterback is extremely, extremely polarizing. So oh my I, goodness. Yeah. So so I think that you know what if Monty Asenfort. Um, if he flames out in this draft the way his predecessor has flamed out in drafts, uh, the people will bring this up again. It won't be fair, but people will bring this up. Um, so, But I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Either by all I. accounts, Monty Ostenfort's a real solid football guy, and, I, and I'm hoping that today marks the beginning um, of a full-on reset. Yeah, Monty much Ostenfort better era of Cardinal football. comes to Arizona with a wealth of experience in good winning organizations and good cultures, mm-hmm. but you, you, you can't ignore the fact that 
tonight marks the first night where he's the head of that war room. He's the guy that's calling the shots. Mm-hmm. Now there's input from others. Uh, I don't know how clearly defined that dynamic is right now because everything is so new. But this is new to Monty Asenfort. I agree with you. He comes off as a buttoned-up guy who's got a plan. Uh, and look, maybe that plan needs assistance from another organization to be fully carried out. And I'm talking about being able to move down from three. But if they don't move down from three and you end up with you know, Will Anderson Jr., or you end up with a with Tyree Wilson, or you end up with a Paris Johnson... The Paris Johnson possibility, which has popped up in the last few days, is, hey, they might just go completely out of left field and draft an area of need. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a day one starter if Mm -hmm. you draft Paris Johnson on the offensive line. Uh, But the reaction to that, that the immediate draft grade for the Cardinals, if that occurs tonight, they're going to get low grades. Because people will say they could have got him a lot later. But again, you need to find that because of what happened with Levi Brown, with Jonathan Cooper, whenever their forays into top 10, Leonard Davis, top top seven draft picks allocated to offensive linemen. We do not have a good history of it. I I wouldn't be against that because I think it's the two proverbial red birds with one stone theory. It's it's a position of need. Uh, This Paris Johnson guy, by all accounts, is a generational talent. At least he's got generational size. Yes. It, let me throw a, a, a what if there. Mm-hmm. If Anderson's on the board and they still go Johnson, then yeah, then yes, then they probably get killed for that, right? Because edge rushers generally rate better than left tackles. But I mean, would, would Paris Johnson wouldn't come in as a left tackle, would he? No, that's DJ Humphreys. I think yeah. they plug him in on the right side. Right. But you also have to consider the positional rankings, the big boards, the consensus big boards. They would get knocked for well, for drafting a guy who's you, you know one of the top linemen, but he's probably thirteenth overall in terms of big board. Exactly. Why are you getting him at three? It, exactly. So so now you've underperformed with the asset that you had. That's exactly right. But and I'm so, so that's the danger. But of I, it all. I'm so over that that exercise. Really, every year we go through this and. You know, it's just like college football programs when they unveil their recruiting class. Oh, we checked all the boxes. We got everything we needed. Well, you probably didn't. Every team loves their draft. And we talk about, oh, they they slayed it. They really knocked it out of the park. And in recent years with the Cardinals, you're excited the day after the draft is over. And then you see the results. And that's when it matters. That's why. And this is part of why I, why I so reflexively hold um, a degree of contempt for this entire exercise that we're about to go through. Because I, you can predict every year exactly what's going to happen. It's going to be prefab artificial optimism based on the newness of a football player who was very successful in college. How, you would really be a grumpy old dude, right? If you would, if you wanted to rain on the parade of, uh, if your football team drafts a guy who had a spectacular college career. How do you how do you with a straight face criticize that? Yeah. Now it might not be what a team needs, but it, it, these things are just they're they're soft serve, serve yogurt machines is what they are empty but, sweet calories. Yeah, I just pulled up NFL.com's day after the full draft was over. Their quick snap draft grades. All right, the Cardinals they gave an A minus. Uh, and that was with Trey McBride, Cameron Thomas, MyJ Sanders, Keonta Ingram, Lasita Smith, Christian Matthew, Jesse Lucetta, Marquise Hayes. Most of those guys played last year. They didn't get a big contribution from really any of them. They're no. excited about those top three guys I mentioned, McBride, Thomas, and Sanders. 
We mentioned the Seattle Seahawks were the team that really knocked the draft out of the park last year. Their quick snap grade for the Seahawks was a C plus. <laughs> they got two starting tackles. Uh-huh. They got you know two impactful defensive backs. They got one of the best rookie running backs we've seen in a while in the league, and they got a C plus. Yeah. So it, yeah. you just don't know. You so know. I, I just I, that's that's what I, I I would just like it to there be to be some more recognition of the unknown. Yep. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, Red Hot Chili Peppers, heading to State Farm Stadium with special guest, The Strokes. On May 14th, you can win a pair of tickets now by visiting the contest page at ArizonaSports.com. Coming up next, interesting night in the NBA playoffs. And yeah, you can tie what happened in the East directly to the Phoenix Suns. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. To the rim, the catch, put up, it's it! He caught it and made it while he was straight inbound. Giannis, it's regulation we're tied at 118 for one reason only Jim Bucket <laughs> That was the call on WQAM radio in Miami Jimmy Butler with an improbable game-tying shot at the end of regulation in Milwaukee last night sent it to overtime and then Jimmy Butler and the Heat pull the upset. Uh, this is one of the bigger upsets we've seen, even with the Giannis injury. To knock off a one seed that had the best record in the league in five games, Bick. Yeah. That's rare territory. Yeah. Um, and people are struggling to try to contextualize what we're just what we just saw from Jimmy Butler because nobody would call Jimmy Butler the best player in basketball, nope. but he just took down the guy that we largely think is the best player in basketball. I, I think the best um the best term for Jimmy Butler is the best underdog maybe in NBA history. Yeah, he was a late first-round draft pick, kind of an afterthought, built his way up, became a star in the league. Uh, he's one of those guys, when the stage gets bigger, he gets better. Yeah. He's, like, he's kind of like basketball's version from a performance standpoint of Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling was a good pitcher. Or Andy Pettit. Or Andy Pettit, or... Early in his career, Madison Bumgarner. <laughs> the stage, when, the, when you know the the you know stakes are higher, man. He just shows up. It's it's one of those things. Yeah, I'm struggling with those with, the, with those baseball comparisons because I think Jimmy Butler is a little more impactful as a player than that. But you're right. In, in this was an eight seated Heat team. Um, I think underdog in the context of when his team is not favored to win. That's what makes him really dangerous. Okay. So for an eight to take out a one for Giannis and a short handed eight, by the way. Yeah. And for and, and and I think the Bucks messed around a little bit. I think the Bucks t- tried to buy a day for Giannis, and they fell down two games to one in the series, and they never got their footing back. It was really fascinating to watch. Also fascinating to hear Giannis. Um, very respectfully, and this is this is the art. And again, this is what when I when I kind of got on Monty Williams for his bizarre, uh, sometimes charming, sometimes terse attitude with the media. This is the way you do it. Giannis was asked afterwards. Well, you got the clip. Was the season a failure? Yes. Oh my God. Uh, okay, because I'm not at that. You asked me the same question last year, Eric. Okay. Uh, do you get Do you get a promotion every year on your job? No, right. So every year you work is a failure. Yes or no? No. 
every every year you work, you work towards something, towards a goal, right? Which is to get a promotion, to be able to uh, take care of your family, to be able, I don't know, um, provide the house for them or take care of your parents. You work towards a goal. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. You know, and if you've never, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't want to make it personal. So there's always steps to it. You know, um, Michael Jordan played 15 years, won six championship. The other nine years was a failure. That's what you're telling me. No, I'm asking you a question. Yes or no? Okay, exactly. So why are you asking me that question? Um, I'm buying some of what Giannis is selling. All right. Competition is yeah. different from another job where you know mm-hmm. the, the end of the, you know he used the example are you getting promoted every year if you, if you don't get promoted was it a failure well no you're not really competing again it's, it's it's not the same thing although I don't necessarily buy into the championship or bust mentality yeah um, now this hurts because they were a favorite to win it and. I got to tell you, watching that game unfold last night, I could give a rat's behind about the Miami Heat, but I was rooting hard for him mm-hmm. because of my personal interests. And I did not like the Suns' chances necessarily to win a championship if they had to go through Milwaukee I in the NBA Finals. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. I, I like their chances a I, hell of a lot better today I, than I, I did think, yesterday. I think if you're going to localize what happened, two things happened in, in that series that I uh, that I find very, very appealing. Number one, the team that I think the Suns cannot deal with no longer exists in the NBA playoffs because they I have agree. no one to deal with Giannis. Nobody. And so they're gone. Number two, if Devin Booker pulls this off and wins an NBA championship, he might be talked about as the guy in the NBA because the guy – is no longer in the postseason. Yeah. And Steph Curry is largely considered default the number two guy. And if Devin and if he doesn't get there and Devin Booker does and Devin Booker key we might be talking After about also beating the Okich, by the way. Exactly. We might be talking about Devin Booker as the guy. In the and I don't think that would have been possible with Giannis around, to be honest with you. Yeah. And again, I'm ten miles down the road. But why not? It's a talking point. I'm Absolutely. not making any predictions. It's a talking point. You want to hear more uh, wisdom from Giannis on that same subject? Mm-hmm. Season, not a failure? It's a wrong question. There's no failure in sports. You know, there's good days, bad days. Some days, some days you are able to uh, be successful. Some days you're not. Some days it's your turn. Some days it's not your turn. And that's what sports is about. You don't always win. Some other, other people are going to win. And this year, somebody else is going to win. Similar as that. We're going to come back next year, try to be better, try to build good habits. Try to um, play better, not have a 10-day stretch with uh, playing bad basketball. You know, and hopefully we can win a championship. So 50 years from 1971 to 2021 that we didn't win a championship, it was 50 years of failures. No, it was not. It was steps to it, you know, and we were able to win one, hopefully win another one. You know, I sorry that I didn't want to make it personal because you asked me the same question last year, and uh, last year... I was in the in the uh, right um, mind space to answer the question back, but I remember it. Next, that is pretty classy. That he I, I think remembers so. the question. I, I think so. And and the way that he just he, he, you could tell he was agitated. And, and I I found 
it fascinating because failure is such a it's such a heavy word and when you talk about context if you bottom line things and you black and white things if you from a perspective of oh you had the best team in the east and you didn't do it there's the, you have to wear the word failure in some context but but if you like Giannis are saying if you prepare yourself properly and you do everything and you go into a competition and you lose it's a hard it's hard to call that a failure now if you don't do everything and you take shortcuts and you lose then you can call it failure there's you can either you can either make this very clear and and black and white or you yeah. can have all sorts of colors on the spectrum with this or you can be more pinpointed on it was the season yeah. a failure no was the fourth quarter in overtime a failure for <laughs> Milwaukee absolutely they and, made five baskets in, and just in, 17 minutes of basketball. The shot that Jimmy Butler willed in to tie that game in force overtime. Was it, was it an offensive of foul? Of course it was an yeah, offensive foul. Guy with two hands of course it was an offensive foul, but still to make that shot while falling on his backside, yeah. it just, at that point in time, if you're Gian, if I was Giannis, I'd go, okay, this, this is not my year. And Boonholzer's getting crushed for not using oh, timeouts at he is regulation or that overtime. A, yeah. That was a failure, but we dealt with something similar in Phoenix last year, and it wasn't in the first round, but the Suns flame out in the second round last year as the best team in basketball throughout the regular season. The biggest difference is the standard is different in Milwaukee because they recently won a championship, so I can see why that question gets asked every mm-hmm. time they fall short. But Giannis this does is, make you think with his if, answer. If you're asking for failure, you can look at the Bucks head coach because somebody very accurately said Mike Budenholzer looks like a guy in the casino who realizes he's got too much money down on a game he doesn't fully understand. <laughs> he's playing pie gal and not exactly sure Bingo. what's going on. Here. Right, and hey, he's put too this? much down on a game he doesn't quite know the rules of. What's this cool long table with the <laughs> dice? I think I'll try this out. What's Baccarat? <laughs> Bert Baccarat! Coming up next, uh, Sarah Gazelle will take us through the big stories of the day. The Rush Hour Reboot. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Good morning, everyone. Welcome on into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Great to have you all with us as we take you through everything you need to know in Valley Sports and beyond. I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey! Where's Vince Murata? The Cleveland Browns select Vontae Mack. Vontae Mack. Oh, that was no matter what. Dramatic pause. And Jarrett Carlin. And Roger Goodell is quite the actor. Ruben Froster. Tua Tungabailoa. Yes. Tungabailoa is, that's that's a tough one for a lot of people. It's okay. Tua (laughs) Tungabailoa. Yes, all of this NFL draft stuff. That's because the first round is tonight. Starts at 5 o'clock. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns for ending their series in five games so that we could fully focus on the NFL draft today. That's nice very, of them, yeah. Yes, very, very uh, courteous of them. The current draft order, and I say current because who knows what kind of trades are going to be made today uh, leading up to 5 o'clock. We've got the Panthers with the first pick, the Texans with the second, the Cardinals with the third, the Colts at four, and the Seahawks at five. Now, the latest mock drafts 
Drafts. <laughs> That's like me trying to say assists properly. Too many. Too many. It's a tough one. It's like I'm calling a cat. All right. The latest mock drafts have the Cardinals holding on to their number three pick and drafting Will Anderson or Paris Johnson out of Ohio State, the O-tackle who uh, Kyler Murray apparently is a very big fan of, according to Mike Garofolo of the NFL Network. Yesterday, ESPN's Adam Schefter said even if the Cardinals want to trade down from three, they might not be able to. The Cardinals would love to trade out of that spot. Mm-hmm. They're open to moving that pick. The issue is, who's going to trade up to number three when you've got to guarantee the third overall player select $22 million. Got to believe in that guy. And I think you're going to have to want to see that there's a quarterback there. So I think teams wouldn't trade up until they see that Houston is not taking a quarterback. We might have to wait until the Cardinals are on the clock Thursday night before we see action. And even then we might not see action. And they might be stuck. And I wouldn't dismiss the idea that Arizona could wind up taking a surprise there. Potentially even an offensive tackle like Paris Johnson from Ohio State. Very interesting. Okay. If Will Anderson is still available at number three, the guy that everyone has assumed the Cardinals would go with. Should they go Will Anderson or this Paris Johnson guy? I've been on Anderson from the moment we got the draft order when the season was over. I mean, if you just look at his numbers and his production in three years, and yes, he was playing on a great defense with other players around him, but his pressure numbers and his sack numbers over his three years at Alabama dwarf anybody else's numbers in that three-year span. To me, that bodes well to the NFL. I don't, I don't know. If they get Johnson, am I going to be upset? No, because they need help on the offensive line. Yeah. That's the thing is there's so many areas of need that regardless of who the Cardinals pick, it's probably going to check a box. Yeah. I, listen, I, I, I think I'm conflicted on this. I think that if you if you have to take the pick at three and you've got no trade partner whatsoever, I think Will Anderson Jr. rates um, significantly higher than Paris Johnson. I, I like Paris Johnson as a unicorn-like offensive lineman that, that Kyler Murray has targeted. Yes. Um, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about a quarterback who's constantly looking for protection and pieces to, <laughs> to cover his backside, but whatever. That's a story for another day. I, it, I wouldn't mind the Cardinals making a moderate move down and, and then taking Paris Johnson. If you can find a partner like, say, Tennessee. Where's Tennessee at? Tennessee is at 11. Okay. Paris yes. Johnson going to be there at 11? Probably. Maybe. maybe. Uh, I don't know. He, he might be gone at that point. So, I, I don't know. I, if you're forced to take a pick at three, I think you have to go Will Anderson Jr. Okay. Uh, for the record, the Yahoo mock draft has Paris Johnson going eighth overall to the Steelers. Okay. Uh, Will Brinson of CBS has Paris Johnson going to the Cardinals at number three. Daniel uh, Jeremiah's got the Cardinals moving down to 12 and getting Johnson. So, yeah. really? I mean, okay. It's so all it's over the place. So, yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Maybe even more so than in, in recent yes. draft history. Yes. I feel like usually we at least have an okay idea of what's going to happen, but I truly do not know. I mean, we really have to have that gambo moment tonight, don't we? About 5.50 Paris Johnson. Johnson Paris Johnson Cam Johnson Cam Johnson Cam Johnson 
Bernsey's response will never not hit. Oh, well, that's so funny. And it hits even better for Vinny and I because we were sitting at that very table when the moment went down. I that's still so get good. uncomfortable here. <laughs> oh, I bet. <laughs> All right, let's get to the NBA, folks. It still causes the anxiety. Oh, so good. Uh, Giannis and the Bucks, as you discussed just in this last segment, they are out of the playoffs. The Oof. Heat knocked them out last night in Game 5 in Milwaukee, 128-126 in overtime. The Bucks were down two with nine seconds left, and they passed around the ball a few times. Then Grayson Allen oh. couldn't get a shot off in time. What a fail. What? That, that was, was a loser. Failure. That was a failure, what a Giannis. bunch of losers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, Giannis, that's the failure Grayson right Allen's there. still just like... Eurostep, Eurostep, Eurostep. So uh, the Heat turned a 16-point deficit to start the fourth quarter into overtime into a win. Jimmy Butler had 42 points. So with the Bucks now out, by the way, we haven't seed, uh, seen an eight-seed upset, a one-seed in the NBA since 2012. Uh, but there we go. With the Bucks now out, guys, was that the biggest barrier between the Suns and a championship? And I'm not saying the only barrier, but were the Bucks the biggest barrier for the Suns? Yeah, if if you had a right, if I had to write a list of teams that I I think the Suns might lose to, I, they were at the very top. They were at the very top of of that list. Now, I, I don't think they necessarily match up well against the Celtics either. So I, it's it's not a, that profound of a difference. Now, if if the the Hawks can win Game Six and take out the Celtics, then then you know everything is lining up for the Suns. Well, I got to win six and seven. <laughs> I, I know. That. I don't think that's right. happening. Right. But yeah, um, yeah, I feel similarly to to how big that, that's a word I have trouble saying. Similarly, similarly. that's not an easy one. Almost, I feel almost the same as <laughs> in that if I was ranking the teams that I didn't want to see the Suns face in the postseason, the first three teams on that list were all from the Eastern Conference, and Milwaukee was number one on that list. Boston and Philadelphia are still around. But how about on the other side? Miami has an eight seat. Now they're playing, you know, New York in the next round, who made quick work of Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That was a failure, too, by the way. Um, Miami might be in the Eastern Conference Finals. I know. Or the Knicks might be. I don't know what to make of the Knicks. They were very right. workmanlike, the low scoring defensive series, but Miami, uh, Jimmy Butler's on a different level right now. Yeah. All right, speaking of different level, Zach Gallen. We don't have too much time to get into it because we got to have Derek Hall, the president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, on next with us at 745. But we want to comment quickly on the, the afternoon, I should say, that Zach Gallen had 12 strikeouts in six and a third innings, four hits off of him from the Royals, and no walks in a 2 nothing win for the Diamondbacks. They win another series. Zach Gallen, what did you guys see from him? He has uh, turned into the ace that we all thought he was. It didn't take him long to figure out how to get a rhythm with the pitch clock. I, he was yeah. obviously struggling with it early on, but it, he's also one of the more studious, intelligent pitchers you're going to find. Maybe the most intelligent pitcher you're going to find. And and he's just he's on a heater now, and who knows when it's going to end. His heater last year, when did it start? It was... It was uh, August and September. So it was real late in the year. Yeah. So the, he, he's got a lot of time ahead of him to do some real damage. 
damage. But 44 scoreless innings followed closely. I know it's a different season, but yeah. we're early in the season. He's already at 28. Yeah. He is just dealing right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Strikeouts leader in the league right now, yeah. 51 as of this morning. Fun to watch. Thank yep. you, Sarah. Thank we're all you. rebooted. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. Coming up next, as Sarah mentioned, we will talk more D-backs with the president and CEO of the club. Derek Hall joins us straight ahead here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. I have the high privilege and distinct honor to present to you the President. He's the President and CEO of your Arizona Diamondbacks. Hail to the Chief. Derek Hall. The President. On now with Bickley and Murata. Yeah, D-backs get the series win over the Royals, move on to Colorado to take on the Rockies this weekend, then to Texas, the first place Arizona Diamondbacks. I get to say it for another intro of Derek Hall, the president and CEO of the D-backs, who joins us here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Good morning, Derek. How are you? Oh, doing, doing well. That never gets old listening to that. So good morning, Vince. Good morning, Vic. Hello, good to talk Derek. to you guys. Yeah, and uh, we've been gushing a little bit, uh, and I'm sure you are, uh, from your perspective, too, on what Zach Gallen is doing. Uh, 28 it's, innings scoreless now. It seems like every time you turn around, he's got a scoreless inning streak, and he's quite simply becoming one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, what can you say about Zach Gallen? He, he's unreal. And, you know, last year I certainly thought he was deserving of more attention for Cy Young. Uh, he proves that he is, you know, a clear ace in this league. And, you know, he just, he's got ice in his veins. You know, you just, you watch him and he's just so cool and collected. And, you know, that first inning you think, oh boy, this is it for the scoreless inning streak. You know, he's got a lot of traffic out there. He doesn't look like himself and he, he gets out of it. And then he just completely dominates the rest of his outing. That's just what we've, we've learned, uh, you know, to see time and time again when he takes the ball. And, he is, you know, like you guys played the soundbite earlier, but but after the game for him to say, hey, I didn't even feel right. That wouldn't even my best stuff. Hilarious, where he was completely dominant. But yeah. um, I, I think, you know, you look at the age of our, our young pitchers, and you got three young rookies in the rotation, and, and there's so much focus on, wow, these guys are only 22 years old. Well, Zach's only 24. You know, I mean, Gallon's got a great career ahead of him. And I, I just think back to, you look at trades, I think back to that trade, and that's a trade that helped both teams. You know, Jazz Chisholm, great player, goes to the Marlins. He He's flourished. And then, of course, we needed Zach Gallon, and he's been the eighth of our staff since. And on top of it, he's given you three very low-stress, dominant performances after losses, which really is sort of right from the playbook of what an ace is supposed to do for a franchise. Amen, Vic. That's a stopper, right? And and we talk about how this Brazilian team can bounce back. And the night before, so far this season, that's the worst game we've played, in my opinion. We just did not move runners over. We didn't hit the ball. We didn't catch the ball. That's not who we are. Uh, misjudging fly balls. We, we just looked really bad. And for us to come back yesterday and, and win that game, take that series, put up our fourth shutout of the year. And, and wow. you know, by the way, guys, I mean, we're, we're almost 30 games into the season. And, you know, at some point I'm always asking myself, okay, is this the team that, you know, they're going to be? Is this the, the way they're going to compete all year? You got to start thinking, yeah, I think so. You know, because uh, they got through that tough stretch of the, of, of the schedule and, you know, they've turned the page, but they, they have so much confidence. I mean, you watch these guys, they were very disappointed in that second game loss in the series. Um, they were determined to take the series and they did, but, but I really, I'm with you, Beck. I give the credit to, to Zach because that is what an ace needs to do. And he did it. You know, give me the ball. I will stop the bleeding. We're going to win. We're going to pack up and go and then, and, and head off on the road. Derek Hall, president, CEO of the Diamondbacks, our guest. I got one more on Zach Gallon and it, and it points to the All future. Right. Uh, he's been great. You mentioned his 
stage. You mentioned his status of, of what he's become now. What does the future look like contractually, ideally, for the Diamondbacks and Zach Gallen? Oh, well, great question. I mean, he's the type of guy that you would love to have under control. Um, you know, a lot of factors go into it. He's not one, I, I, no, I don't want to speak for him, but he's not one that's, you know, the, the type that would want to get into conversations, I don't think, during the season. He's just so locked in. And he's also not one that gets impatient or is asking about his uh, about his situation. And then you, you look at, you know, his representation and, and what's their history. Um, you know, it's, it's historically a, a, an agent who likes to go to free agency. So, you know, we'll see. Um, it, it does fit, you know, the model of what we're trying to do with our, our roster. As you know, we're trying to lock up our uh, really strong and effective players like we did Corbin Carroll that can be on this roster for a long time. And boy, that knock on wood, you know, that's paying off so far. What a, what an exciting player Corbin is. Oh. And, you know, we do these surveys, by the way, and you can imagine, you know, we, we constantly do surveys to see who the most popular player is at the time. We watch sales in the team shop. And right now Corbin is through the roof. Our fans are saying Corbin Carroll's their favorite player. We, you know, we're running out of CRs and L's when we're, you know, with, with jerseys in the team shop. And, and uh, Zach Gallen's right up there. Evan Longoria has, has taken a, a, a pole position. So it's, it's fun to see. All right, when you look at the uh, the back end of the rotation, some struggles have developed, the young kids, control issues, all the stuff, trusting your stuff, all that stuff. Um, how big of a concern is it? Um, and I know you're down to a four-man deal now, but but in the long term, you got to have at least a few of these kids right. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, totally. Yeah. Is it a concern to me, Vic? Yes. I mean, you know, we, we can't have a three-game stretch like we did where, you know, you're going to get one inning. Uh, a little above three innings and, and five innings, you know, your bullpen just can't survive that. And you're putting way too much stress and strain on them. I, I do expect more out of the, the starting pitchers. They'll be fine. Uh, but again, let's look at the depth. Position players and, and starting pitchers, we've been building this for a while. To be able to, you know, put Lewis on the IL and turn around and bring up Haven Smith, who did what right away contributed. Um, to then have to, to take McCarthy and not a demotion, not a punishment, but hey, get it straight because we really need you and we'll bring you right back when you're ready, uh, like we did last year. And he went down and, and he turned it around, came up and he was unbelievable for the rest of the year. And we expect that out of him, but you can then bring Rivera up. And what has he done? You know, three for four, impact player right away. Same with the pitching. I mean, you know, when you, when you struggle and you need a guy to stretch out, out. He wasn't able to do it here at the big league level. Send him back down. We believe in his stuff. And Jamison's going to be right back. But uh, then you have the ability to bring up others. Uh, that's a good thing, Vic. But we do expect, you know, five, six, seven innings out of these guys. We need that. And I think they're going to start showing that again. They showed last year they can do it. They have the ability to. And they're going to get in a, get on a routine. The other thing is, um, you, know, you know, I think as we've always said, starting pitching is contagious. And the way Gallon's pitching and now Kelly's starting to pitch like himself, it doesn't help that we're going to Colorado because no one pitches like themselves in Colorado. <laughs> you know, but nonetheless, I think we're going to start to see it. And these guys will, will have impact on each other because they, they fuel each other and they feed off each other. You mentioned, Derek, a couple young players and McCarthy and Dre Jamison going down to, to work on some things. And those are difficult decisions. But when we spoke to you last week, Madison Bumgarner was still a member of the Arizona Diamondbacks. He gets designated for assignment. He gets released yesterday. And I imagine that was a very difficult decision. How difficult was it behind the scenes? And, and, and what now does the organization take from that experience moving forward? Yeah, Vince, I, I, all three of those are tough decisions. Um, the, the Bumgarner decision, I mean, you could tell in the way we, the three of us were talking that it was very close. I mean, we were, we were basically there with a the decision, and, and that's always a tough one, but we had to do what's best 
as I said that morning, you know, we, we have to do what's best for our team, put us in the best position to win. And I, I think we've done that. Um, and by the way, he and I had, uh, you know, keep it private, a real nice exchange, and he could not have been more classy and professional. Uh, so I thank him for everything he did. Uh, I, I think that just shows everyone in the organization that we're going to do just that. It's not based on how much a player makes or how long a player is pitched in the big leagues or played in the big leagues. We're going to have to do what's best to win because we're, we're in win mode. We want to win now. Um, our fans deserve it. And in order to, to get there, we have to put the best team on the field. And those are decisions that we're willing to make. So I think that shows that we're willing to make those, those decisions. We're going to make those decisions as difficult as they are. And then the two young kids, again, it's the message that you say, you know, how you, how you, communicate that to them and Tori's the best at it but he and Hazen telling the guys you know that this is not permanent you're going to go go down and, and get your you know get your work in you're going to come right back up and you're going to be a big part of this team and and we feel that way about both those guys one follow-up on the Bumgarner thing before we let you go Derek uh, and, and taking away an experience like that a five-year contract 85 million that's rare territory for the Arizona Diamondbacks to, to go down that road in free agency does does that experience kind of give you guys cold feet? Maybe playing in the free agent pool uh, in, in the future with deals of, of that magnitude. Vince, that's one of your best rhetorical questions ever. That's great. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think you know it makes you take a step back and say, okay, did we did we overcommit? Did we make a mistake? Um, I think every team is going to make mistakes, sure. you know, when they when they sign free agents. Um, that one didn't work out uh, the way that we had hoped it would, and I think he'd be the first to say that too. It didn't work out the way he thought it would. We're we're not going to shy away from from um, dipping our, our feet in the water of free agency and trying to supplement what we've already built there. We have to, and you know, I think also having a veteran presence is something that we've always craved. Longo is doing a great job this year, having an impact and influence on the young players. You need that. Um, it didn't work out this time you know with a starting pitcher but but you know we thought boy wouldn't that be nice to have him join Merrill Kelly and and Zach Gallen the way he's pitched in the past and again it just didn't work out but to answer your question Vince yeah I mean it's painful um you know we we have to look in the mirror on that one but we can't shy away as a result we can't get gun shy there we have to continue to do what we're doing to build the best possible roster and if that includes looking on the free agent market we're going to yep Derek thanks so much for the time and the candor appreciate it and here's to uh you got it guys always scale Denver domination you're going there the Suns are going there take care of business what do you say uh, I, I let's both take care of business. I know a lot of our guys are, are asking what time that tip off is wow. because uh, they're trying to see if they can take it in too. But well, yeah, you know, KD, KD is growing quite fond of his Diamondbacks oh. hat, man. I tell I, you, I, I, yeah, I'm so glad you said that, Beck. And I know you guys have to go, but I, I just want to thank him. I mean, KD's been full support, and seeing him post game in his in his press conferences and interviews wearing the D back cap, it means a lot. And we have a lot of that going on right now. You know, we've had we had Mercury at our game last night. Their whole coaching and, and strength and conditioning and training. Uh, Staff was here. We've had sons come in. We've had Cardinals. I, I think it's great. What's happening in the Valley right now, the love between the teams has to happen, and I, I'm thrilled for the Suns. Let's go. Thanks, Derek. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. Look forward to it. Derek Hall, president and CEO of the Diamondbacks, joins us on Thursdays here on Bickley and Murata. Coming up next every day at 8 o'clock, you get blasted. It's going to happen next. Bick's got the blast. Fire. Here on Arizona Sports, the local Fire. sports leader. <laughs>